Welcome back. Marie Crow here sitting in for Louise McSharry. Now we are moving on to the first ever conference in Ireland on childhood, adolescent, young adult cancer and survivorships. It is going to take place next Saturday on the 11th of September. The free online conference aims to connect patients, survivors, families, healthcare professionals and policy makers together to educate, network and learn from each other. Two women involved in this conference are Jessica Heffernan and Sherelle Alkin. Thank you both for coming in the show to discuss such an important topic. Jessica, I'm going to start with you. Can you share a little bit about your story and just a little bit about your journey with us, please? Yeah. Um, I was 14 when I was diagnosed with a rare form of leukemia, PML, I think, and I was in second year in school. So I started off, I went to a family reunion party and I was playing on the trampoline like any normal kid and I my cousin fell on me and then I got hit with a ball and Jessica, we're going, your line is a little bit um, dodgy at the moment, so we're going to call you back and we're going to just cross back over to Sherelle. Sherelle, look, this conference, I mentioned at the top that it is such an important one because there are areas that are developing all the time and there's so many people who might have been isolated for the last little while as well. And for everybody to come together, to meet, to talk, to network, things like that are so important. They really are, Marie. I mean... Uh, you know, childhood cancer is very well established as a, a subspecialty in Ireland. We've got a national centre. All of our children and young people who are diagnosed between the ages of zero and 16 will all be treated or have their, their treatment coordinated through CHI at Crumlin. But those patients who are between 16 and 24 will be treated around the country. And, you know, they may never meet another person who's the same age as them or look like them when they're on on their treatments or when they're coming in into the day ward. So this is really a chance for them to realise that they're not alone, that there are other people like them um, having similar experiences and also that the medical community is behind them and we're working to, to make things better for them. That's so true because when you think of cancer, you often think of older people and young people having cancer. It's not an image that comes to to the mind straight away. So for young people to know that there are others out there like them and others as well that have survived and gone on and had their lives and lived their lives. Exactly. And it's it's something when I when I meet a young person in, in clinic, I'll I'll try to tell them about the other young people that I knew and that now we don't see very often because they're coming in and out. Um, and, you know, childhood cancer is a real success story. So if, if we had this conversation 10 or 15 years ago, um, I wouldn't be able to quote you a figure of over 80% of our children who have a can- cancer diagnosis will survive um, and move beyond their cancer. Um, and whilst obviously that's not as high as we'd like it to be, it still represents huge progress. Uh, we know that the adolescent and young adult age groups, so that's the 16 to 24 year olds, haven't really gotten that same benefit that either the, the children have or even the older adults have. They just haven't um, had the same increase in, in their outcomes. And we know part of that is because they haven't had the same access to clinical trials, um, because there isn't as much of a centralisation of their care. And, and also partly because we don't fully understand the biology of the different cancers that they have, because it's not the same as children. It's not the same as adults, you know, in the same way that a teenager is a unique person um, in the general sense. Teenage cancer and, and young person's cancers are, are unique in, in themselves. That's a really interesting point you make about their care, because as you said, like it's, you know, 16 to mid 20s. So they transition from children to adults then. And 
I'd imagine their care has to transition then as well along with it. Yeah, so we do have some flexibility um, in terms of the upper age limit once someone has started treatment. But once they then um, kind of get to the stage where they have to go to adult care, it's a very different setting from you know, the much smaller, quieter paediatric hospital to the adult hospital where there's 100 patients in clinic. Um, you maybe have 15 minutes in a clinic appointment if it's going well. Uh, and there just isn't the same pace and the same space for, for people. So we're working on that and making that better. Well, somebody who can tell us about their experience is Jessica Heffernan and she's back with us and now on the line. Jessica, would you mind telling us a little bit about the journey that you've been on, please? Yeah. Um, I was diagnosed when I was 14 with APML leukaemia and I was only in second year in school and I was at a family reunion party and my cousin fell on me on the trampoline and like I hit with a football just simple small things and I was bruised really badly I had bruises on my little toe and I had a big big bruise on my groin and it was black but I never thought anything of it so I went to the dentist a few days later he told me I had gum disease and I was bleeding all over my pillow and everything so I went back to him and he told me I must have bit my mouth or something that was grand and then another day or two later I had nosebleed that wouldn't stop and for me, I would have had a lot of nosebleeds as a kid, so I never thought anything of it. But it just wouldn't stop. So I went to the doctor's, my GP, and he stopped it. And he told me, if it comes again, go to the eye and ear. So 10 o'clock that night, I lay on my stomach and both nostrils were bleeding really badly. So we went to Crumlin Hospital and went into A&E there. And a couple of hours later, I was diagnosed. I was... I wasn't really, like, I didn't really understand it. They were very, they told me everything. It was great. And they told my parents, and I think my parents were more upset more than me, I think. Like, I didn't really understand. So I was just more happy to get two or three weeks off school. So, yeah. <laughs> and from there then as well, Jessica, so we were talking a little bit about that transition from being a child and, and being diagnosed mm. and trying to deal with that. And then growing up as well, you know, in tandem with the diagnosis and, and trying to, to deal with all of that. What happened next for you then? What was the next stage of your journey? Um, I nearly hit five years free of cancer and I literally went to my last appointment in Crumlin in June and then I went on holidays in August and I started noticing loads of bruises and just I just kind of felt really bad in myself. So I went to got a blood test and there you have it a different type of leukemia and I needed a bone marrow transplant because the treatment for my first leukemia caused a rupture in one of my chromosomes so I would have just kept making cancer if I didn't have this bone marrow transplant. So I went to James's and I had a bone marrow transplant and I had an unrelated donor that I still don't know who he is. <laughs> I can't know. <laughs> and what about now Jessica? How are you? How's everything? I'm really good. I'm I'm up maybe once a year now and I'm feeling basically back to myself. I'm still very worried, like, if I feel like big bruises or anything. Like the other day, last week, I think I had to go and get a blood test just at my GP for my own saying, sanity, you know, I was, and I was tired and I was convinced I had something wrong with me, but I didn't. It was all anxiety and stuff like that, so... 
well, at the top of the segment we were talking to Sherelle just about how important it is for young people to be able to connect with other young people in the same situation and just to learn and understand that you know things often are okay although they might seem quite difficult at the time and this conference is going to provide that for an awful lot of people how important is it to have a Jessica and for you yourself as well um, what's your contribution going to be? Oh, I think it's, it's a brilliant thing to do because I remember with my with Canteen Ireland, we used to have to go over to England once a year and there was a conference over there for young people and survivors and people, patients, you know, anyone. And it was great. You learned about fertility, you learned all these different, heard people's stories and everything. Whereas over here, there wasn't really anything like it. So I think it's a really great thing that we're able to have it in our own country now. And I think it just brings, like, I think everyone at some point in their life has been touched by cancer, whether it's your nanny, your daughter, anyone. And I think it's a great way of bringing everyone together and telling them they're not alone. There's all these other people out there who are, have went or are going through the same thing and you're just not alone, you know. Cheryl, Jessica mentioned fertility there and... Fertility can be a tricky conversation at the best of time for adults, but for young boys and girls, I can imagine it's even more tricky. It, it is. What we know based on a lot of international research is that fertility is one of the biggest sources of regret for survivors of cancer. Um, but we also know that parents, young people, really value that discussion happening in a very early stage in their diagnosis. Um, whereas before, uh, we as doctors would have been very reluctant to bring it up um, thinking that it's not important, that everything else is more important to, to get done. We know, you know, we need to think about the long term, about survivorship for our patients from the get-go. So having that early conversation about fertility is very important. Um, we're very lucky uh, over the last number of years that the Merriam Fertility Clinic uh, received a grant from the Irish Cancer Society to fund the Childhood uh, Fertility uh, project for, for patients with cancer and that's allowed us to offer a service to uh, young women under the age of 16 and, and young men at that age as well um, to have fertility preservation. What we still don't have in Ireland is, are facilities for fertility preservation for um, ch very young children um, but that is something we're working on, uh, on developing. And then the other thing that's important that I, I would encourage any young person who's had a cancer diagnosis and is after their treatment is that you can have an assessment after your treatment to you know, have an idea of where your fertility is and whether or not you've got a, a risk, if, whether you need to think about having children at an earlier age or indeed whether or not you need to not worry about it again. And what's difficult is that we don't know anyone's you know, pre-existing fertilities. We all have inherent reasons why we may have fertility challenges um, outside of a cancer diagnosis and we can't know those when our patients are going into their treatment. So it's really important that from the get-go we're very honest and open, we have that discussion. And part of the fertility conversation is, is the wider issue on oncofertility and talking about you know, challenges in terms of sexuality and, and how sex might feel after treatment and, and not being afraid to have that conversation. It's something we as doctors are terrible at talking about. Um, but it's very important that we have open conversations because um, we need to empower our young people who are already leading us uh, in these discussions and we need to follow their lead. And Jessica, even you coming on the air and being part of this conversation, it's hugely important because 
these are conversations, as Sherelle said, that they don't happen enough. They don't, there isn't enough of a spotlight shone on these things so that people who at some stage might them, might find themselves in the same situation that you were when you were a young teenager will feel confident and knowledgeable enough as well to be able to have that. So a lot of credit goes to you too, Jessica, to to just come on and start a conversation like this one we're having today. Um, what about your contribution, Jessica? What, what's it going to be for the conference? Um, I'm going to be telling my story also at the conference. I'm going to just, you know, let people be more aware of their bodies and let them know what, like, little things to look out for and just say that, you know, other people are the same, you know. Everyone is not alone. That's my whole thing. Well, Sherelle is nodding away here, so you completely agree. so spot on, Jessica. And I, I think what's really key about this conference is that it's all about our young people. Um, they're driving it, their agenda and something that we're very conscious as a, a medical community is the need that we would when we're looking at research and, and program development that it's driven by the young person um, rather than driven by us. Yeah, well, you are certainly doing that today. Thank you so much, Jessica, for coming on and sharing your story as well. And to you as well, Dr. Cheryl Alkin, thank you. Thank you for all of that information as well and for helping facilitate that conference. If anybody does want to find out about the Childhood, Adolescent, Young, Adult Cancer and Survivorship, go on to www.caysireland.ie. Louise McSherry on 2FM.